Good morning, everyone. It's really lovely to see you this morning and to be able to share for a few minutes as well. As Chris said, my name's Ian and I uh, serve here. And for the next few moments, we're going to explore together 1 Samuel chapter 3. So we started last week uh, our new series looking at the book of 1 Samuel, and we're in chapter 1 and we're in chapter 3 just now. So let me give you a little bit of a a plan of the, the route ahead for the next few minutes. We're going to think a little bit about the world, what was happening in the world as God speaks to Samuel in this chapter. So last week we saw Samuel being born and and as a baby. Now he's a young boy, maybe he's about 12, something like that. And God's going to speak to him for the first time. We're going to think a little bit about the world, what's happening around uh, that uh, around him at that time, and just to kind of recognise that maybe maybe things are not so different. Uh, for us today as they were then. And then we'll have uh, just a look at uh, three kind of short, sharp points. That's the, that's the plan. That's the route that we're going to take. So just before we get into it, let me ask you a question. I wonder if you've ever been in that situation where you have been uh, in bed, it's been fairly late in the evening, and then the phone rings. Uh, and you think to yourself, who on earth could this be at this time? Why would anyone disturb me? Why would anyone call at this time? Just, just imagine that the kind of scenario you've been at, you've been at work all day. It's been a long, hard day. You get home and uh, you make yourself some tea, uh, some pasta maybe. And uh, you have a side salad because, you know, you've been healthy at the moment. And, uh, and so you, you, you finish your tea and then, then you, you want to just relax a bit. So you watch an episode of your favorite show or go for your book and, and read another chapter uh, you have a cup of tea in a chocolate bar because it's not that healthy a season. And, uh, and you're just kind of ready for bed and you go upstairs, you brush your teeth because you're in a good season. And uh, you, you put your jams on, you get into bed and it's cold at first but it's just starting to warm up and it feels so good to have your head on the pillow. And then interrupting that heavenly moment, the phone rings. Who is this? Who on earth could be calling at this time? What, could, what on earth could they want? There was a time uh, when I was working at Cape Marine and really enjoyed working with the, the staff, the students, the guests. We had a lot of fun with the games and activities we had. And sometimes the person on the other end of the phone was me. Uh, hello, it's uh, Ian here from Cape Marine. I'm just here with your son. <laughs> just here with your son or just here with your daughter. We've had a bit of an accident. And, uh, and it's no fun being on that side of the phone call either. Um, I remember some instance of that. Well, what we're going to see today is Samuel, as a, as a young boy, about 12, and he gets a call in the night from God. And we're going to just explore what that, that looks like and what that might mean. Let's just begin by thinking about the, what's going on in, in, the, in the world as this comes to be. What, where, where are we at in, in the history of God's people? Just to, to make sure we're understanding what we're looking at. So God's people have started with a family, with Abraham. They've gone down into Egypt with Joseph. In Egypt, they've become a nation. And they've ended up in trouble as uh, as slaves in Egypt. And God has stepped in to rescue them through Moses. But but God has done the work. They, They come through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. They're now a nation who's been rescued, who's been saved. And they're heading towards a land that God will give them for their own the promised land, and under Joshua, they head into the promised land. 
a land that is their own. We're now a few generations on past that. And God's people are living as a collection of tribes, a kind of confederation of tribes, as it were, in in the land that they've been given. But the unity that there was as they entered Canaan has sort of started to evaporate. And the people have found themselves in this rather unhelpful cycle uh, in the book of Judges. That's kind of the, the part of the Bible that explains this, where God's people move away from God. And they, and they concentrate either on themselves or giving their lives to things that are not worthy of their lives, to idols. And they forget God or leave God. And they end up in trouble and then God sends them a rescuer to bring them back. And the rescuer is often a, an, an unusual figure or a bit of a surprising figure. A Gideon or a Samson or a Deborah. And as the book of Judges continues on, we start to see that life is getting increasingly chaotic and messy. There's a couple of phrases as the book of Judges progresses, which we which were repeated. There was no king in Israel. There's no king in Israel. So, that, so, so there's, there's, a, there's a people that are sort of spreading out. Everyone sort of does as they want. There's this phrase that comes back again and again. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So everyone's busy doing what... They think to be right, and there's this this kind of messy, chaotic uh, culture which which comes from that. And the book of Judges gets increasingly difficult to read, as you see, as that has that out uh, the outworking of that. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. I wonder how different that is to the world we live in today. Then within, within uh, Israel, there's also some problems. And, and in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we'd come across them. Maybe you can read them a bit later on. But there's serious issues with the spiritual leaders in Israel as well. And so Eli is the, is the kind of chief, uh, chief priest. And then there's the, his two sons are taking on responsibility. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 12 calls them scoundrels. That's probably a very polite term for, for their behavior, how they're acting. There's a couple of things that they're doing. First of all, they treat the Lord's offering with contempt, chapter 2, verse 17. And what they do is, as people are coming to worship God, so as people are coming to seek the living God, as they're coming to worship the living God, as they're coming to find forgiveness in Him, as they're coming to discover what He's like, they find intimidation, they find bullying, they find... Uh, force, and, and the, 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 those in leadership, those with the, the, the top of the tree, those who should be showing the way, those who should be serving the most, are taking advantage of their position. They're misrepresenting God, which is a very serious thing to do in their position. They're, and they're taking advantage of the people they should be serving. And, and, and the ultimate extreme of that, we read in chapter 2, verse 22, where we read that uh, the Eli's sons, Hophni and Phineas, are sleeping with the women who uh, volunteer uh, to serve at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So those who are serving are around the place you go to worship God. And the most prominent spiritual leaders are taking advantage of their position in such an awful way. So there's moral chaos, there's chaoticness and there's spiritual abuse. And the word of God is rare. There's, there's just a, a real 
uh, drought for, for the word of God. And in this desperate time, God steps in. And he steps in with an answer that has been his answer in the past and it'll be his answer again significantly in the future. And God's answer is to send a baby. God's answer is to send a, a baby, someone who is going to grow up to bring people back to him, to, to accurately represent what God is like and to, to show people a way to connect with him and to walk with him. Here's what Warren Wearsby said to Try and summarize what I've been saying. Samuel is God's bridge builder at a critical time in Jewish history. When the weak confederation of tribes desperately needs direction, he was the last of the judges and the first in a new line of prophets after Moses. At a time when the ages were colliding and everything seemed to be shaking, Samuel gave spiritual leadership to the nation of Israel, helped them move forward towards unification and spiritual rededication. Samuel's going to play a really important role in the timeline and history of the Bible. But he steps in at a real crisis moment, a real low moment in the history. Just before we get into reading the passage, I want to just, just pause for a moment there and just, just recognize we're not trying to learn about this story so we get more information. We, we believe God speaks to us through his word. And I think it's significant that in a, in a culture here that was imploding, in a culture where there was such shaking of the spiritual scaffolding around, that the, the, the way that things began to change, it didn't start with a, with a military leader. It, it didn't start with a, a high-profile um, prophet even, although his time comes, but it actually all starts in the home starts in a family it starts it starts in a in in a in a you know somebody who wants children just crying out to god it starts in a godly mother and a father who is strong a father who is gracious and kind to his wife it starts with a family that go to worship even though the place where they go isn't perfect and the leaders are awful and 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 there's every reason not to go. But this family go and worship. They go and seek God, even though things around are blurry and difficult. And God's turnaround starts in a home. And if we get overwhelmed sometimes looking at our world, and if we get overwhelmed by the scale of the challenges around us, Maybe we can just start with our home. Pray for people in our home. Pray for people, you know, in and around us. Maybe not f physically in the walls of our home, but those around us. Let's pray for our husband. Pray for our wife. Pray for our children. Pray for our parents. And, and go, and, go and worship together. Not because the place you're going is perfect. Because it, it won't be. Hopefully not as corrupt as this, but seek the Lord together. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 3. What we'll do is we'll read a little bit and then we'll, uh, we'll think about it. So verse, first nine verses, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and not many, there were not many visions one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. 
The lamp of God was not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was, and then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord has not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now, there's lots we could look at here. I just want to look at one thing. Notice one thing. And that is that Samuel was attentive Samuel was attentive. Verse 1 tells us Samuel ministered before the Lord. It's a phrase that's repeated about Samuel. Actually, that's not the first time we've heard that about him, even though he's only a boy here, perhaps perhaps about 12. But it's in sharp contrast to these the spiritual leaders who are not ministering before the Lord, but are using their position for their own good. And it's a little insight into the character of Samuel. The setting here is, is in the temple. So just, just, just for a moment, can you picture it with me? So it, it's, it's in the late evening. There's no electricity. It's not lots of bright shining lights, but it, everything's dimly lit. There's just the candle flickering away. So, so, it, so, it, so it, it's, a, it's an intimate, it's, it's, um, it's, very, it's very dim and is, is the lighting. And Eli, who is the most prominent spiritual figure at the time, can barely see. He, he's, he's frail. He's, he's old. And then right there in, in, the, in that tabernacle, in that temple, there's the word of God. There's the, there's the Ten Commandments, but they're in the Ark of the Covenant. They're, they're, they're there, but the, there's a lid over the box. It's there, but it's, it's in the shadows. And, and the writer, as, as he's writing this for us, is, is, is make, helping us to picture what's going on, not just in this, in this instant, but, but what's going on. This is a picture of what's happening around. God's word is there, but it's in the shadows. There's light, but it's dim. The word of God is rare, or you could, pronounce, or you could interpret that precious. It's valuable, it's beautiful, but it's, but it's rare. And what's so impressive, Samuel doesn't even know the Lord at this point. We read in in verse 7. But what's impressive is that Samuel, after a long day of serving, is still attentive. He's he's, he's on the ball, he's listening out. And and as Eli, uh, well, he thinks it's Eli calling. And he runs to go and see if everything's all right. You know, has he fallen? Does he need some help? What's happening? I, I love that attentiveness. And he doesn't realize it, but he's actually hearing God's voice as, a, as, he, as, he, as he's listening out. God calls four times to him. And he hears each one, though he doesn't know it's the Lord until the fourth. How can we develop or cultivate an awareness of what God might be saying to us? How can we, how can we learn to listen? 
as it were. There's, there's lots we could answer that with, but just one thing for this morning. It strikes me that, that Samuel here, he isn't sat down trying to figure out the root cause of all the problems in Israel. He's not plotting to see how can we get rid of these, these guys at the top who are, who are just destroying things morally. What Samuel is doing is serving in what's before him. He's just actively serving God and his people. He's opening the doors of the temple. He's looking after Eli. He's actively serving. And as he, as he serves, he puts himself in the way of what God is saying. As he serves, he puts himself in the way of what God is saying. And so I just want to, to kind of plant that seed with us. It, it is, if we're searching, if we're seeking, are we serving? Is there a way that we, we, can, we can serve? Maybe it's something, you know, a part of the church week. Maybe it's uh, taking a turn going out with the kids or the crèche. Or maybe it's just something with the neighbour next door. But, but just having avenues for us to serve other people opens the, kind of puts us in the way sometimes of what God is saying. It, it, it shows us a bit of God's heart. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. That must have been incredible. The Lord came and stood there, calling. This is the living God speaking to him. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At the time, I'll carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I'd judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Let's pause there for a moment. The, uh, the message that God gives Samuel isn't a new message. It's just a confirming what he's already said to him in chapter 2. And, uh, and so the message isn't going to be a surprise necessarily for Eli. But it is uh, important. It's a confirmation. Because it, what, what's going on there is incredibly serious and God is going to deal with that and, and deals with that through the pages that are, that are coming up. But this morning we're thinking a little bit more about Samuel. And Samuel's heard the, the three times the voice calling to him. And each time he's thought it was Eli, but it hasn't been. And there isn't anyone else around. And, and Eli says, go back to your place and lie down. I wonder if you could just, just live in the story for a moment. I wonder if you place yourself in Samuel's shoes. I wonder what you would do in that situation. You, you've heard the voice three times and, uh, and it's not Eli. There's no sense that this is kind of scary. But you must be wondering what's happening. And Eli says, go back and lie down. I wonder if you'd stick around a little bit close to Eli. 
I wonder, he might be old, but at least it's somebody else there. I wonder if he'd stick close to where the candle was burning. Just stay close to the light. I wonder what you would do. And I know it's a small thing, but Samuel does it. He, he, he goes back and lies down. He, he does what Eli's asked him to do. A couple of verses time, we'll read it in a moment. He'll pass on everything that God has said to him. He'll pass it all on to Eli. He'll, he'll do it. There's an obedience in this young boy. He does what is asked. And, and that obedience in the small things for Samuel is in sharp contrast to the disobedience of uh, Hophni and, and Phileas, Eli's sons. They're disobeying in the, in the hugely important, the hugely big things. Samuel's obeying in the little things. As we uh, seek to, to, to walk with the Lord, obedience is really important. Obedience in the little things. We're not talking about the big decisions of life, though of course that's important and the consequences are bigger. But obedience is learned in the little decisions. It's learned in the everyday. And, and through the pages of the Bible, we see the importance of obedience. Obedience is to sometimes not do what we would like to do. And sometimes it's doing what we would like not to do. <laughs> but it's really important. As we've been praying and as we've been going through and singing this morning, we've thought about the grace and love of God as seen in Jesus. That, that God himself has come and stepped into our world. That, that he's taken our sin. He's died on that cross that we might be free and forgiven. There is grace. There is mercy. There is forgiveness for us. And it's beautiful. And it's what we build our lives on. And it's precious and it's wonderful. And, and that's so important. But alongside that track, there is a parallel track to enjoying the Lord, to, to walking with him. And, and it's about obedience. It, it's, it's, it's just obeying him. Obeying God leads us towards freedom. It leads us towards what God is doing in our lives, to, to, to join him within him, to seeing what he's doing. There's always forgiveness and grace of the cross. But obedience leads us to enjoying him. It, it, it's, it's sometimes difficult in the day-to-day. -day. Paul says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Sometimes obeying God is, is just when that bitterness starts to grab it, to take hold of it, and to put it out. It's, it's, it's so subtle, it's so easy, but if it grows, it's very dangerous. Obedience is, is, is might be having that conversation. Let, let's, let, let me say sorry. And nothing within you wants to do it. Why would you? But the, the, the Spirit of God is saying, you, you, you get it sorted. Say sorry. It might be that as you're watching that show that you love, you think, you know what, I, I can't watch this. This show takes my mind to places that are unhelpful for me and leads me down a track that it's not, that's making things worse for me, not better. It could mean any number of things. But obedience, obedience in the small things is, is, uh, is, is so important for us 
at learning and growing and enjoying our walk with God. And then thirdly, finally, let's finish the chapter. One more thing. Uh, I'll start with verse 15. Samuel lay down until morning. And then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What is it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you. Be it ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. And so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Again, there's much in here, but one thing for us to ponder is Samuel's humility. He was attentive, he was obedient, he was humble. Verse 15, Samuel lay down until morning. And then he opened the doors to the house of the Lord. Samuel had, had, had just encountered the living God in a time where, where that wasn't happening. He, he's met with God and yet as, as, he, uh, as he wakes up in the morning, he continues to serve. He gets up, he goes, he opens the doors, uh, he, he's serving others, he's serving Eli, he's serving God. There's a humility to him. There's no sense of, uh, all right, I guess I'm the prophet now. All right. Well, we'll find somebody to open the doors because that's beneath me. Uh, Eli, if you just come over here, I've got a message for you. It's about the boys. There's no sense in which he's, he's, he's elevating himself to it. it there's, there's a humility. There's a continued service. He wakes up and goes about his business. And what I love is that God will use Samuel. Samuel's not perfect. Not, not at all. But what I love is that God's going to use him to, to bring about really significant change. And there's real humanity and there's real humility to him. He's afraid to tell Eli. He, he's, 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 uh, he gets things wrong. He's, he's not untouchable. He's not a, a superhero. Neither has he been zapped by God so that he can't do wrong. He's a person like us. But what one of the things that enables God to work so powerfully through him is his humility. And, uh, and there's a beautiful humility to him. So what, what, what's, what, what does that mean for us? What's humility look like for us? Uh, humility, as, as we know, humility isn't pretending we're rubbish when we're not. It's not about pretending we're not gifted when we are. It's about accurately, accurately seeing ourselves. And accurately seeing who God is. As we journey through the Bible, see that time and time again, humility is a quality that's lifted up. And that says, this is something that God values. This is something that, that sort of enables God to be at work. Is when we're not claiming anything for ourselves, there's no pride, but there's a humble confidence and courage in God.
And how do we grow in our humility? There's, again, lots of answers, but I, I wonder if I'm going to suggest one this morning. A great way to grow in humility is to be found reading the Bible. It's just to, to, to read the Bible. I know that sounds like the right answer for a Sunday morning, but it is the right answer. <laughs> because as we read the Bible, we read about who we are, and we re- read about who God is. We read about his, his love, his grace, his made us, his formed us, his fashioned us. His, we're not accidental. But we know about our capacity for wrong and the consequences, but also his love and grace in our lives. It, it gives us, it gives us a, uh, the right context in which to view ourselves. We're going to close. And, and just want to share one more thing with you as, as, as we close. Maybe God in his grace has just been speaking already. Maybe just prompting or, or something that's, that's resonated with you. But maybe there's, there, maybe there's, there's one more thing I can, can mention. When Samuel, as a boy, when he thinks it's Eli who's speaking to him, those three times, and he goes to see him, this is how he responds. He says, here I am, you called me. That's a brilliant response. It's, it's lovely. It's here I am. I'm ready to do something. What, what do we need to do? Do I need to you know, help you to the bathroom? Or what is it? I need, it's, a, it's a doing response. Here I am. Let's do something. When God speaks to him, and Eli says, this, this, is the, this might be the living God. When you hear the voice, this is what he says. Speak, for your servant is listening. There'll be a time for here I am, where what do you want me to do? But first, come speak, for your servant is listening. And I think before we, we do, we listen. Before we do, we listen. Is there anything that the Lord has been speaking to you about? Is there, is there, is there, um, uh, is there a space in the way that you operate through the week where there is opportunity for you to hear it we'd listen before we do i'm going to pray along those lines and then we're going to sing together as we close let's uh, let's bow our heads for a moment father lord i thank you for, for one of the wonders of serving a risen Savior is that you're alive. And because you're alive, you're a, you do what those who are alive do. You communicate, you speak, you work, you act. You're, you're in the business of doing things. And Father, as, as you're people, Lord, we've, we've come to know you because of Jesus. Lord, we want to hear your voice and we want to be obedient to it. Father, our prayer this morning is that we wouldn't miss that what you're saying. And Lord, we, we say uh, collectively and individually, Lord, we say speak for your servants are listening. We ask that you'll help us to put aside the distractions and cares of this uh, this world, that we would that we would deal with them appropriately and honestly and 
wholeheartedly. But that if there's anything you're saying to us, that we wouldn't miss it. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.